0: Well, hey, new friends. I'm just jumping in here to say, um, I hope that you feel the same way, as in that we are trauma exploring pals together with a similar focus on moving forward with, you know, a less fucked up brain patterning issue and all of that relational destruction. That being said, I'm not a professional. I'm not a crisis worker. I'm just some human who talks about trauma from the inside out, which means Any information you hear out of this mouth is for your own personal discrimination, just like a friend's would be. Now, hopefully take this information and work in conjunction with your trauma therapist to figure out what works for you and what's NA. But this traumatized motherfucker podcast community and social media presence is not meant to be a replacement for trauma therapy. I'm just researching, reflecting on trauma experientially and academically, which means I assume no liability for your getting triggered, enmeshed, or offended, or any of the subsequent trauma reactions thereafter. Me and the other motherfuckers in the blanket fort are here to help, to be supportive, and to offer acceptance. But boundaries and realistic expectations are important for everyone in the complex trauma game. And while we're at it my recovery is as important slash exhausting to manage to me as it probably is to you. So I always want to hear from you, your challenges, your successes, and your stories to share them with the entire crew. But please know that I can't therapize you and any crisis situations need to be addressed immediately from an appropriately trained resource. But that being said. If you're searching for personal understanding, support, and maybe some laughs about our truly fucked up brains along the way, then you're in the right place. Welcome to Traumatized Motherfuckers, and I really hope to see more of you. My name is Jess, and let's be clear, I'm just a traumatized motherfucker doing my best. Cheers, y'all. I'll see you at the show. short the moments. We can't do anything. The fucking joke is. Joking? What up motherfuckers? Jess here. I got another long one for you. So I'm going to jump into it because goddamn, my voice is going to go out on me if I don't just get started. So I wanted to jump into part two of the series on endless trauma loops. Last time I talked about how they've been an unfortunate reality of my life where I think they're coming from and how I keep myself from beating the shit out of me when I realize that that's been happening. And today I wanna talk about what those loops actually are, the common living mistakes that I make that are born out of early trauma. So the series started with a mild Atlanta storm delivering a power outage that forced my eyes into reading an old journal From 2011 to 2013. Coming to the uncomfortable realization that I hadn't really learned that much in a decade that I didn't already know. What the fuck? So am I feeling all proud mom or like an idiot? A little of both. On the one hand, I mean, holy fuck, I was a lot smarter than I give myself credit for when I was younger. I was so determined, and gritty, and aware of what needed to change in my life, and how it all started with my perspective. On the other hand, it sure didn't get me far. (laughs) So reading the entries from those old days would lead you to believe that I surely clawed my way out from depression, which was the only mental illness I really knew about at that time and I went on to live a phenomenally successful life with my enlightened awareness of narrative thinking, self-care and gratitude. No, (laughs) the reality is after the years in this journal, I became defeated like I hadn't experienced before. I repeated the same horrific relationship patterns. I gave up on the careers I knew I wanted and pursued ones that paid the bills. I fell into long periods of stagnancy and self-brutalization. I lost people I loved, and I followed ones who led me astray. There are certain areas in my life that I clearly never learned my lesson the first, second, or tenth times around. Patterns that continue to emerge even today. Sentences that I swear I've written before, and for some of them I have proof that that's true. These are my endless trauma loops. Experience tells me I'm probably not the only one. Stagnancy. When I was in college, I ran into this kid, Kyle, everywhere. We seemingly had every class together. Every time I was walking across campus, which sprawled for miles, I somehow saw him. Every time I looked out my window at work, there he was. Every club, every informational meeting, every social gathering, I swear to God, I saw Kyle. It felt like he did everything and he was everywhere or else he was reverse stalking me somehow. I wasn't even surprised when it turned out Kyle was an RA in the same building as my good friend. Why wouldn't he be? They chatted at times and because we were all in the same program, I guess I had been a topic of conversation before. So the first time Kyle and I actually spoke, he said to me, what don't you do? He, the omnipresent social master of my enormous class at a Big Ten University, asked me about my busy schedule and diverse interests. That was never lost on me. At the time, I was enrolled in 20-plus credit hours a semester at the top of every class. I worked at my cellular research job every single day. I volunteered at the Humane Society. I went to local shows. I drew, I sewed, I wrote, and I occasionally found time for debauchery with friends in Chicago. To outsiders, this was an impressive load. I was an enigma of efficient activity when so many preferred to just Netflix and chill. And a year later, I wasn't doing any of it. I wouldn't return to my hobbies for years. I wouldn't be endlessly productive again until the next time I ran myself into the ground because, among all the cool things I was doing, I wasn't managing my mental health and my whole world came to a screeching halt, just like it would many times to follow. For me, there are two operational modes of living with my mental illnesses, parked and overdrive. Unfortunately, there have been many times my transmission has quit on me. I think my stagnancy tends to start with some earth-shaking event. Something knocks me off my high horse as we're galloping full steam ahead. The problem is, my trauma brain is skilled at the spiral. Rather than dusting off my knees and climbing back aboard my noble steed, I wind up laying in the dirt thinking about all the other times I've fallen in the past. Soon. I'm getting paranoid thinking about all the potential low-lying branches that might knock me down in the future. And before I know it, I'm convinced that the past and the present are one and the same. I decide I'm never gonna be, I'm never going to see a different outcome. I tell myself I'm not that good of a rider and I'm destined to keep winding up on my ass until the day I finally earn the traumatic head injury that ends my cowgirl days. After that thought has wormed its way into my daily consciousness, uh, yeah, it's hard to get up off the ground again, let alone put that foot back in the fucking stirrup. To speak in a non-horse metaphor, and staying at my mom's little farm seems to be working its way into my psyche, yeah, Uh, this practically presents itself as me lazing around in my bedroom unable to find the energy to do anything, and convinced that everything I attempt is going to cause me pain. I give up hobbies, aspirations, and friendships. I get pulled into the Netflix and ill trap, watching shit I don't really care about while I actually stare at my phone and pile food into my face. I stop responding to people. I stop leaving the house. I start fearing everything. The distance between where I am and who I want to be gets farther with every passing day. The obstacles get larger, my brain gets more broken and disorganized, incapable of logically finding a way to accomplish anything at all. The inner resistance I feel when I even consider something I ideally want to do is crushing. I, became a, I become a stubborn, miserable little fucker. To make matters worse somehow, all that laying around and eating my feelings catches up quickly. I start feeling terrible, so now I have an upset stomach and exhausted body to deal with on top of it all. Physically, I get puffy. I gain weight nearly exclusively around my stomach, thanks stress hormones, cortisol for the win. I lose my hair, my skin goes haywire, my eyes get yellow and glossy. In short, I quickly become ashamed of my appearance, look like garbage in my ill-fitting clothes, and now I have a stockpile of self-shaming ammo for my inner critic to run with. Hey, it wasn't bad enough when you were too scared to leave the house. Now you can also feel like a swamp monster while you do it. Sweet. Good job, Jess. Every step gets harder and harder to take. The stagnancy builds on itself. I fell deeper into depression and self-brutalization. This is how I spent a good portion of my 20s. If you struggle with motivation and overcoming the inner resistance to do anything really, I hear that. Lord knows, I only started being super active and productive again in the last couple of years. And my stagnancy trap is always right around the river bend. Plus, these days I'm teetering on the edge of my other problem the opposite of stagnancy running myself into the fucking ground let's talk about overdrive (laughs) isn't a traumatized brain so silly it's just all or nothing thinking in almost every respect in my world when i'm not laying around rotting my time and body away i'm working myself so hard that i can't see straight anxiously leaning on perfectionism and an obsession with accomplishment. Running my biology ragged. So, back in the college circumstances I d- described, I was clearly doing a lot. Too much, it turns out. I left my shitty community college and set out to prove that I was just as smart as my abusive ex-boyfriend was. Yeah, a, a different one that I'm talking about. Loops. Loops. <laughs> By attending a competitive STEM program and dominating real school, I was showing him and everyone. After a lifetime of being told I was so smart while working insulting retail jobs, I had a huge complex about being intelligent. Having some dude tell me I wasn't good enough because I wasn't in difficult enough classes really compounded that issue. So coupled with the financial strain of paying for my own school, After growing up with a scarcity, poverty-driven mindset, uh, yeah, there was a lot of pressure to succeed. My anxiety and social fears were enormous when I arrived, because I knew no one in town to boot. So I compensated with all of these stresses by working myself to tears every day. Literally, I mean that classes from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m., working in the lab between and after, and studying alone until midnight when I often broke down and sobbed. That was the norm. This worked until it didn't. Namely, until my body decided enough was enough and I developed an autoimmune disease that very effectively stalled out my life via bed Did I learn my lesson? Clearly not. Throughout my 20s, and today at the ripe old age of 30, I'm known for doing the same thing. I get a bug up my butt about accomplishing something, proving something, and I let the pressure overwhelm my daily life. I get anxious and fearful about the future, and I compensate by doing. If I just keep running, I won't have time to look too far into the past or the trail ahead. I just need to keep moving, and surely I'll be doing the quote right thing. plus it deserves mention that my college de- degradation into mysterious illness wasn't functionally was functionally a new trauma on this ticker. Now the fear of falling into stagnation over again convinced me that a single day of relaxing inevitably means tumbling back into a deep pit of demotivated despair and illness therefore now accomplishment is proof i'm doing better i'm on the right track i deserve what i want and i'm worthy you know this loop does and doesn't serve me well do things progress when i'm diligently working towards them yeah to some degree does society reward hard work sometimes is it a guarantee that torturing myself with slave driving tendencies will pan out not at all if anything i'm guaranteed to eventually drive myself to exhaustion illness and overwhelm when every day is a race of my effort against the clock it's a losing battle i can only pound away at a keyboard for so many hours a day before my shoulder seize, my eyes can't focus anymore and i'm contending with attention migraine My mental health plummets under these circumstances. I stop taking care of myself. I stop making time to do things I enjoy. And I let all my relationships become obligatory sources of agitation. I've got something to do and the entire world is standing in my way. At that point, you can probably guess what happens. It's depressed, demotivated, suicidal stagnation knocking on my door again. Yeehaw, we're back to the start of the fucking loop. So when people these days tell me it's truly amazing what I've accomplished, or they admire how busy I keep myself, I have to give them a massive disclaimer. One, this isn't an honest sampling of how I've always lived. Two, it might look great from the outside, but it's completely self-destructive from the inside. Three It's temporary. You just wait until I'm so stressed out and overworked that I can't function or I have a mental breakdown from the self-induced panicking. Do as I say, not as I do. Give yourself a break and take things one step at a time. If you're moving in the right direction, even crawling counts. Just calm down and let it happen naturally. Have faith that you're exactly where you're supposed to be right now. And don't sell yourself out for the sake of accomplishing. I'm working on it myself, but it's a conversation I have on daily repeat without a great deal of personal progress. We'll see how it's going in another 10 years. Life-halting romantic relationships. This one should and will be a series all its own. There is a separate post about... Uh, anxious attachment and when it comes to fucked up relationships oh man am I a maestro now this probably makes it sound like I'm a chronic dater someone who always needs to be in a relationship the more terrifying truth is no (laughs) I actually feel like I'm quite choosy and I have significant periods of time and healing between most of my romantic partnerships To be clear, I've never even been a dating app user, except for a one-week stint with Bumble, during which I promptly concluded that everyone is an obnoxious basic fuckboy, and I swept on by. I'm not happy to be with just anyone, and frankly, there aren't many humans on this earth who I consider impressive. Read, tolerable. Queen bitch over here. And yet, I make the same mistakes over and over and over again when I do let someone in. What the fuck is that? Well, kid, if the common denominator is your questionable choices in partners and the anxious attachment that consumes your mentality in relationships, it looks like the problem is you. Fuck. What are my messy patterns? Choosing highly intelligent, often low-achieving men who come from seemingly stable family backgrounds with more generational resources than my own. Winding up with dudes who shower me with pursual and interest in the beginning and then quickly retract their kindness as things progress. Finding insecure men who don't allow me to talk to other penis-wielding humans And want to control my daily life. Folks with their own secret mental illnesses and family traumas who refuse to get help for their issues while happily leveraging mine against me. Falling for expert gaslighters, blamers and shamers, terrible arguers, bad tempers, emotional abusers, immature guys who can't take care of themselves and need my help so bad. But resent me for the same help they're pleading for. Roller coasters. Let's just say I fall for poorly engineered roller coasters. What's the result? Head over heels, fairy tale starts that quickly devolve into nightmares. I'm always, quote, being saved by someone who wants to show me a whole new world, to pluck me out of my trauma driven life and bring me to their shining palace. The problem is when they want to lock me in the tower and scream through the reinforced door that it's my fault everyone is feeling unhappy. I wind up with men who say, I can leave if I want, but won't be able to survive without me. Unless I'm patiently waiting to comfort them from my prison, what will they do? And oh, did I need something in there for my comfort or life satisfaction? Well, what the fuck, I mean, They already came down and scooped me up and gave me a place to live. I'm impossible to please and it's so unfair. No one will ever love me. But also please don't leave because they can't run the kingdom without me. Yeah. Time and time again, I become both the star and the handicap of someone else's ego. Existing to help them prove something to themselves, their friends and families. Getting crushed behind closed doors do i recognize that i'm much happier and healthier and capable when, when i'm single do i thrive physically and mentally when i can just take care of my own damn self do i repeatedly come to the same conclusion in journal entries and conversations with friends for the past decade yep do i climb aboard the fucking flying carpet every few years anyways yep talk about escapism a few years ago I realized that I have a problem with the concept of time it can scare me to a point that I behave in avoidant ways so it will just go away time gets very distorted in my world it passes quickly and slowly to very extreme degrees I can lose track of 12 hours when I'm manically working or in the middle of an emotionally wild time like a brutal argument And I can also experience every second like it's an entire day when I'm frozen in indecision or under mental duress. Unfortunately, for many years straight, I was always in some degree of mental duress. Agoraphobic anxiety and depression and chronic fear and self-hate. Yeah, they're a bitch. And in my lone, unfulfilled, unwelcome days, sitting at home alone time crawled until it seemed to stand still. As a result, I think I stopped feeling confident that it will progress steadily and assuredly, whether I'm paying attention to it or not. It started to feel like every day was endless, and so was my unhappiness in every single moment. And that's when I first let my escapist tendencies take over. To pass the time To waste away my uncomfortable, seemingly endless hours, I started turning to my favorite distractions. Boozing, zoning out in front of screens, and snacking. It wasn't even an insidious decision, it was quite blatant. Get off work, have nothing but a crushing depression to look forward to, try to decide what makes the day go by quickly. I mean, drinking profusely and putting foods into your mouth are fun, frictionless, activities when time flies. Do those things, and I don't know. I guess it'll be bedtime before you know it. In my chronically stagnant 20s, the first loop I described, it became a daily pattern. Scare yourself into hiding indoors alone, stall out because you can't motivate yourself to do something you actually enjoy, and then fucking panic over the thought of rotting away alone. Then... Pour yourself a half a glass of Jack and start filling your mouth with crunchy things. The result, make yourself physically uncomfortable with shitty foods, more mentally unhinged with booze, and throw some extra pounds on your body with the combination of both. Hey, and then you can have yet another self-shaming reason not to get up and go outside. Thus, the lonely escapist cycle continues. Fun pattern, yeah? to this day i have to watch my escapist tendencies they creep up and i don't even realize it because i'm too dissociated and distracted with my escaping to see what's going on what starts with one cheat day when my anxiety has been making my focus difficult to redirect snowballs very quickly soon an entire day or week has passed by i'm feeling mentally off-center My body is upset with me, and I'm quickly starting to build my time phobia again as a result. I fear slipping back into my old ways, so you'd better believe that I kickstart a terrified mindset where I try to escape my fear of escapism. Good work. It doesn't take much more before I subconsciously have a hard time accepting that time is going to pass again. I see two hours as the equivalent of two weeks. I struggle with believing that feeling uncomfortable for those 120 minutes is going to be all right. I find myself pacing around, navigating to the refrigerator, and craving my unhealthy crutches, smoking and drinking. Eventually, my escapism has to end. I have to force myself to remember that time is real. That sitting, doing nothing, and relaxing is both possible and acceptable. And the hands on the clock will move. I don't need to be mindlessly half-occupied with a substance to survive. I will not self-destruct. Again, leaning into the discomfort is powerful for me. Instead of running away from it, I have to push myself further into the mental squirming, and prove to myself that I'll come out on the other end, even if my hours passed like they were weeks. So some of the forms of escapism that I sneakily let ruin my life. Social connections, i.e. letting my relationships determine what I do each day so I can serve a function and I don't have to decide for myself. I'm always a good sidekick. This is part of the reason why my romantic relationships tend to quickly get life-limiting. Oh, you want to sit around and watch TV? Well, I guess that's what I have to do. Or, you're running errands? Uh, Do you need me to come with? How can I help? As long as I'm in someone's presence, even if I'm not entertained, I'll be okay. Social support i.e dealing with other people's problems instead of my own as a dedicated little helper assistant if i can just be there for someone else during an emotionally charged period i can be completely consumed with their magnetic feelings instead of my own and i'm helping someone i love martyrdom escapism pisces over here waves hand in the air drinking i.e i'm done with thinking for the day how do i turn off my frustrated brain also what makes time slip by super quickly oh it's just about beer o'clock anyways let me simmer down and treat myself by driving up my anxiety insomnia and carb cravings nothing like making tomorrow more miserable today cigarettes i.e i'm tired of sitting inside doing whatever Let me just take a quick break to reset my brain and think about this differently. Getting outside will be nice. I think it'll give me a new approach to consider this issue. Does that work? No, it just makes me more anxious, also smelly. Eating, i.e. I've been physically uncomfortable all day. Let me just take care of that with a nice snack while I check my phone. And one bag of chips later, When did I become pregnant and why do I feel incredibly depressed? Screens, i.e. let's put on Netflix and then completely tune it out and half read our phones for the next three hours. Oh weird, how is it 2 a.m. and I'm wide fucking awake with this magic teleportation device shooting blue light directly into my retinas. So weird. To this day, I'm still working on my desire to flee from reality and squashing my doubts about the steady march of time. Doing nothing is really the best remedy, but holy fuck, it's physically painful at times when you're a ball of emotions. Health, eating, and appearance addiction. You know me and my hiking obsession. I've also talked about trying to manage diet and exercise balance with an addictive brain, plus, bodily perfectionism problems well motherfucker of course that's part of a larger ongoing loop in my world step one getting super quote healthy and thin but as a form of control and obsession step two overdoing it until I drive myself into the ground step three underdoing all of my work by getting stagnant and treating myself like shit as my starving body screams for famine to end step four recentering myself around getting super healthy and thin as a form of control and obsession you get it since my early 20s i've had a back and forth struggle with going health overboard and health defeatist but that shit started a lot earlier like back in third grade earlier During my manic periods, I get obsessive with my healthy eating, activity regimen, and appearance. During my depressive periods, I give up on everything, abandon my goals, and let my fupa have a life of its own. Neither is great. The healthy periods start out wonderfully, but it really doesn't take long before I'm overly restrictive with my diet. I'm a drill sergeant with my exercise and I'm overly concerned with my health anxieties. It's a quick tumble from eating salad every day to only eating salad every day. When something upsets my routine or ideal diet, I get all riled up. I lose my sense of direction and control. And it's not just being an anxious and appearance-obsessed woman, if you wanna go there, motherfucker. It's actually part of my learned dysfunctional coping in a chaotic environment. Trying to find a way to control my life and my world through moderating what I eat and how I look. Areas that have gotten me praise in life and I ultimately can have power over, no matter who's fucking with me. I can actually remember this behavior going back to second or third grade, when shit was upsetting at home and I could, quote, rebel against my mom in a way, by refusing to eat lunch at school. She didn't know and she couldn't stop me if she tried. I packed my own lunch so it was easy to not pack my own lunch. Those behaviors never really quit and in high school it got a lot more extreme. In a period of mourning for all of my life upset, I remember getting so skinny that people would comment. People who I knew before were concerned, strangers were complimentary. I was weak, cold, and plagued with stomach pains and migraines. In college it got worse still. I was at an all-time level of scrawny and people loved it. I was given praise and attention all the time for being so skinny, so pretty, like a little scientist Barbie. Little did they know I actually couldn't afford to eat and I was working myself into the ground with my academic and appearance perfectionism, while considering my skin and bones to be a cool side effect. Well, that shit snaps back no matter what. You can be tightly controlled and regimented with eating only vegetables and traveling exclusively by walking, but someday your body is going to say, uh-uh, no more. And mine fights back in dramatic ways. Read... Hair falling out, skin turning gray, chronically cold, passing out while standing, breaking out in hives, mysterious autoimmune illnesses, complete exhaustion, system shutdown, myriad ailments that leave you bedridden. It's a continual pattern, it seems. Even with age and insight, I'm bad at finding a true, healthy balance in my health-centric living. I still go for feast and famine approaches. And... I'm delusional while I'm in the weeds. How often does this happen? I mean, these days, I feel like it's basically a monthly cycle. And no, it's not related to that monthly cycle. It's just two weeks on, two weeks off seems to be where I'm at. Is that cyclical bi-weekly demonstration of willpower and forfeit great? No, not at all. I drive myself nuts. But it's better than two months on, two months off, or two years on, two years off, which is where I used to be at the depths of my mental illness. Luckily, I generally don't get health obsession, obsessive to the point where I can't function anymore. Or maybe my willpower just isn't what it used to be. <laughs> Either way, I get hungry long before that and I go back to scarfing down bags of trail mix. But you know... It'd be cool if my weight didn't fluctuate by 5 to 10 pounds as often as it does. Codependence and anxious attachments. Alright, hell, what else can be said about this? There's already an entire post, and I just couldn't wait to write it. What the fuck else is there? Well, probably a lot more. I've got 12-ish years of dating history to laugh about, and a slightly longer record with bad friendships. Mario Voice, here we go. Part of my escapist cycle, as I mentioned earlier, is using other humans as a means to avoid my own shit. Too bad this applies to romantic partners and friends. Nothing is safe when you grow up devoid of relationships, desperate for any sort of connection. Also, chronically attracting other humans with poor boundaries and fucked up core beliefs does not help by preoccupying myself with other people's commitments in areas of spending time and emotional needs. I do a really good job pretending that my own problems are not going to come back to bite my sad drooping ass because if I'm in a strong relationship of any kind, you'd better believe I'm not doing a good job of getting my exercise or taking care of myself in any meaningful way. Shit slides fast when you're staring at someone else. I get so caught up in the world of others that I can't seem to separate myself from them, physically or mentally. Their emotions become my emotions. Their problems become my sources of stress. Their responsibilities scoot over to my plate faster than an unattended french fry. It feels to me like our emotions are contiguous. Like we share these feelings about life, love, and losing ourselves together the problems are myriad. One, I'm often the only one feeling this strongly about our feelings for lasting periods of time. I'm solely out there day in and day out to be a support, a source of emotional support and care. When I need to talk it out, to get some comfort after a bad day, or to fucking yell about my frustrations. Oh boy, better step off. I'm I'm overstepping some abruptly drawn line in the sand. Number two, it's impossible to manage someone else's existence, but these folks are usually more than happy for me to take a supervisory role I can't fulfill. Just keep shit straight for both of us and support my family like they're your own. Then somehow it's my fault when their responsibilities either fall by the wayside or when I enter micromanaging territory like they've asked. Number three, I forget about myself, my own needs, my own goals, my own abilities to be a separate, strong, independent human. I'm too happy to play the sidekick and let someone else direct the daily show. It means less decisions and less difficulty battling my inner critic and less attention to give my fucked up core beliefs and fears. I just stop challenging myself and growing. Soon I feel I can't remember how to function before they were holding my hand as we crossed the street. When I lose my sense of self, direction, and purpose, well, you can imagine what happens. My life goes to shit. For months or years, I forget to do the things I should be doing. My mental health suffers, jobs become inconveniences, friendships fail, plans fade, aspirations disappear. I'm just wasting my time away, devoting it daily to folks who are inevitably going to leave me high and dry. Worst of all, I start feeling helpless again. Because I've let this person become my life, I convince myself that I can't have one without them. I get stuck in toxic dynamics that bring me more fucked up core beliefs than fulfillment, and I feel unable to move on. I start to fear being on my own for visceral reasons like I'm too scared to be alone at night by myself. After years of being by their side, I'm terrified to drive or go places alone. I fear that I'm not capable of handling chaotic responsibilities on my own, like making decisions if I got stranded on the side of the road. On an emotionally beaten level, after the inevitable toxic connection, the gaslighting and the mental health shaming, I'm left wondering, who else would want me? Clearly I'm not good enough for this human, and I've sacrificed all the interesting parts of myself to be with them, whenever they called. I'm a nut job, and my emotions get in the way of everyone I meet. Long story short, a helpless little critter emerges out of my relationships, where a strong, thriving, ambitious person entered. Let's count the number of times that's happened. All of them. It's a pretty bleak picture. But also, you know these loops? They're not all bad. Like I said in the intro, there was a hell of a lot of advanced insight contained in the pages of that 10-year-old journal. Shocking wisdom from an otherwise idiot kid, in my opinion messages that hold true to this day and lessons I have to keep in mind moving into a less fucked up future. What was I so aware of and so easily able to forget for the duration of my dirty 20s? Here are some positive though short-lived patterns. Gratitude. Yeah, it's a fucking buzzword these days. Was it so overused in 2010? I don't know. But even back then, I knew that my nihilism and penchant for focusing on the terrible was an issue which was combated best with opposing thoughts. Multiple times, I found gratitude lists in my entries. Daily practice that I tried to start but regularly abandoned when my life got chaotic or too depressing to find a single beacon of good luck. But I clearly knew that there was power in changing where I was sending my mental energy. Instead of feeling so down and desperate, finding the promising pieces of your life and shining your mental flashlight in their direction. I told myself these things. If you're having a shit day at the cashier counter of the lab bench, if you're stressed out about family matters, if you're getting all your shit stolen, If you're pissed that your idiot boyfriend is, well, being an idiot again, bitch, focus on what is going right and stop ruminating on the details that bring you down. Stress less, appreciate more. It's too bad I consistently got off track with this solid strategy for keeping my brain out of the bottom of the barrel. I think I was surrounded by too much negativity and perfectionism at school to keep a steady hold on the practice. Plus, you know, my family. (laughs) Maybe if cursive-laden Instagrams and embroidered pillows existed with such prevalence back then, I would have remembered gratitude on my darkest days. No, just kidding. I would have called that some ingenuine pussy shit even more than I do now. So clearly I have some issues with the bullshit pseudo-mental health trend of writing random trendy words and scrolling fonts and pretending it helps. Believe. Find your bliss. Live, laugh, love. But the idea of gratitude still matters immensely for trauma mindset recovery, and I fucking knew it before those Coachella hipsters. Okay, my crotchety attitude and age is showing. Moving on. Narrative thinking. What was one of the most profound things in my journal following a particularly anxiety-ridden and purposely stressful year at UIUC? Stop focusing on all the details that you can't comprehend right now. Look at the big picture. Ah, shit, talking about narratives. One of my favorite ways to keep bringing new perspective, meaning, and insight to your past experiences, as well as integrating new and old information, you know, instead of letting it jangle around up there like loose change. And I knew it, even as a dirt-poor, trauma-uneducated 20-year-old. Put those comparisons and self criticisms to bed, they aren't helping you. When I removed myself from the perfectionistic and highly competitive thinking that dominated the research programs at a Big Ten university, I stopped comparing myself to people who had nothing to do with me, and I looked at my own progress through the frame of my life. And then it was clear that I had a lot to be proud of. But it was hard, even then, to keep my eye on the prize the larger narrative of my life and my personal story. I mean, in essence, I wasn't one of those upper-middle-class suburban kids who was groomed to attend the same school as their parents and their parents. I wasn't privileged enough to attend college without having a nearly full-time job. I wasn't working under the motto, C's get degrees, to placate my family while my college fund and family connections pushed me through. I came from below the poverty line. I was part of a family of addicts, criminals, and factory workers. I was the first to graduate college. I had seen violence and abuse for every one of my prior 20 years. I had been working since I was 11 years old. I had earned my way into a competitive transfer program on my own merit. I had to put myself through community college to be able to transfer to that university. I had jumped into my core science classes with a major handicap compared to the other students. And I was at the top of my classes, despite the steep uphill climb and working a highly demanding research job every day. I had already achieved so much, if I let myself acknowledge it from a bird's eye view. I was strong. I had overcome things these little suburban brats couldn't even imagine. While they facebooked their way through classes and chanted their hearts out in Greek residences, I didn't need to worry about this B. I, I didn't need to worry to this B.S. degree about this B.S. degree. Pun intended. I'm sorry. Hope for someone who's always been described as a pessimist or a pissy turd. It's kind of interesting to see the number of times I write about a tiny hope for a better future. No, I'm definitely not penning entries proclaiming that everything is going to be great and I'm trotting steadily toward a beautiful sunset. I've never been a faithful believer that my life is destined for anything resembling a dream but there have been many, many times that I reassured myself this has got to get better and you got it this time. I see signs of realistic thinking, even in the depths of my confusion. I didn't always consider myself utterly doomed, or I already considered myself to have hit rock bottom, so the only way to go was up. Well, bitch, you hit rock bottom, you think that's all, but the bottom opens up and you continue to fall. It's lyrics from Off With Your Head. (laughs) Buckle up because you're about to have some fucking rough years ahead of you. You'll figure it out, though. You always do. Confidence. When I was younger, I was a bit bolder, at least in my head and my personal outlook. Plus, you know, the technicolor hair I sport these days is actually toned down compared to back then. And my outfits were quite attention drawing, to say the least. I was bold. Mixed in with the fear, low self-esteem, and general self-shittery, Every so often, I thought I might actually have what it takes to make it in this world. There were many times that I realized I had some inner drive that other people lacked, and I was proud of myself for being able to interpret the world differently than them. There were occasions when I thought I had some personal merits that might lead me out of the pack. There was some recognition that my years of early trauma, not that I named it like that back then, actually had been a blessing I was very resilient I had some realistic views of myself when I could step back and take a look from the outside and I felt this burning in my belly that I was meant to do more than work retail for 60 years or to fall into addictions like my family and even though that brief flicker of self-confidence quickly faded whenever I lost sight of myself And I couldn't determine my direction. I mean, I must not have completely given up. Even after all this time, I'm occasionally amazed that I went from retail to research. That I got myself out of a shitty little rural town in bum-fucking-nowhere. That I built a future for myself despite poverty and extremely limited life experiences. Or at least positive ones. I couldn't have done those things without some semblance of self-sufficiency, whether I recognized it at that time or not. I think I was always a little fucker, but I didn't always have the voice for it. Closing the loop. Motherfuckers, I could probably come up with another 20 examples of history on repeat in my slippery, fall-and-get-back-up-again life, but shit, it needs to stop somewhere. Hopefully, the negative patterns end along with this blog post. (laughs) I've publicly called myself out enough for a few of the lessons to sink in, right? Yeah, I mean, we'll fucking see. It strikes me now that this is similar but different to to generational trauma loops. And that's a whole other goddamn novel to write. Many of my patterns aren't unique to me, aren't unique to my family, aren't unique to any of us. And that fills me with hope and grief all at once. If we're all on this stupid rock, just hurtling through space, ancestrally enduring the same mistakes and epiphanies all at once, I don't know, maybe it's meant to happen. At least it seems like we're all in this together. Living and learning and losing again, at least until we break the cycle and start heading in a new direction. Alright fuckers, so those are my personal examples of some of my endless trauma loops. I think they're probably pretty relatable based on what we talk about in the community and what I hear from fellow fuckers all the time. If you're interested in getting in touch in any way, I'm going to prompt you to go to t-mfrs.com or traumatizedmotherfuckers.com. You can find... Any of that in the um, podcast episode notes or the podcast details itself to navigate on over. I think you can also just search Traumatized Motherfuckers and you should find us. Through the site, once you're there, feel free to use the contact forms to get in touch. I've also given you an email that you can write me anytime, whether it's good or bad, telling me I'm right on or I'm totally fucking wrong. Uh, sharing your story, or just whatever, whatever input you have for me, I gladly accept all of it. You can also request to join the online Discord community, which I highly recommend. If you are looking for a little social support and connection, we literally have members from all over the world. So it's kind of a 24-7 support center already. We've only been doing this a few weeks and it's developing very nicely, Uh, kind of letting people in one at a time so that there's an opportunity to meet the group and settle in instead of throwing a bunch of strangers into a pen together and telling them to be friends. If you're interested, please go check out the site, t-mfrs.com. From there, you can request to join Uh, go to the tab at the top that says join and there is a short application just to make sure that you're actually a traumatized motherfucker (laughs) really just confirming that you are somewhere on your own trauma recovery journey and figuring out what exactly you're looking to get from the group so submit that or shoot me an email and I'm happy to let you in Uh, I'd really love to connect with more people and to slowly add some more perspectives to the group. If you could do me another favor and catch up with me on social media, I hate that shit. I'm not a social media user, and I force myself to do it all the time anyways, just in case somebody is more reachable through Instagram or Facebook or Tumblr or Reddit or Medium. Fucking name it, and I'm trying to do it. So if you could like and follow and spread the message there, it would be a huge help. As you know, I tend to go into overdrive and any tiny effort from anybody else to get the word out there and invite others onto this trauma recovery journey. oh shit, it's so helpful. I appreciate it. All right, I'm going to talk to you fuckers soon. Please get a hold of me and let me know what's going on in your lives. Let me know what loops you're reliving and how you're going to avoid them next time. Until then, I'll talk to you fuckers later. Bye. As you think it's other moments We can't do anything We're fucking jokers We're winning when you blink It's moments we we'll see with victory